All right, um, first topic is esophageal strictures, burns, and congenital disorders. All right, as usual, here's the preview question. Most common form of esophageal atresia with or without fistula is one, esophageal atresia with distal fistula, atresia without a fistula, tracheoesophageal fistula without atresia, or esophageal atresia with proximal tracheoesophageal fistula. Lastly, atresia with proximal and distal, so two, fistulas. So, with a distal fistula, okay? Looks like about three-fifths of you got it right. Nobody picks the last one, yeah. Two is exceptionally uncommon, right? All right. Congenital stenosis, a web, middle third. Um, you treat it with dilation, right? It's either complete or incomplete. Occasionally, you'll end up with cartilage in there, um, probably tracheobronchial in nature, primary repair. Segmental hypertrophy, you end up with a residual web. Cleft, um, unfortunately, has uh, varying degrees of communication. Lots of little kids with reflux and a relatively high mortality because of the fistula. Atresia, plus or minus a TEF, is probably the most common abnormality. Um, regurgitation, particularly poor feeding tolerance, abdominal bloating and or pneumonia. Classic diagnosis is, of course, not being able to pass an NG tube, confirm it with radiology. It is associated with other abnormalities, particularly these vader or vactoral abnormalities, and 20% have some degree of um, congenital heart disease. Here is the cartoon representing almost all of the fistula types. Remember, it's about 80% distal fistula. H-types worth mentioning uh, a lot of times people that's over here e we'll talk about those and then atresia without a tef is also relatively frequent fix them when they're big enough right like many things in congenital here's a classification system regarding timing of repair if they're not quite big enough certainly stage it find a way to feed them distally Interestingly, low birth weight and pulmonary problems may not necessarily be the independent risk factors they used to be. Like most things, it's the shape you are going into an operation that dictate your, your outcome. Probably the big thing about operative TEF questions are make sure you get an echo first to make sure you know where the arch is. Because if the arch is anomalous, you will end up on the wrong side and it'll be blocking your repair. A sizable portion of the H-type fistulas can actually be fixed through the neck, so pay attention to that. Cervical TEFs, you approach the right neck, not the left neck that esophageal surgeons typically like. And remember that you want to try and protect the trachea as much as possible. You can deal with the stricture you cause on the esophageal side with um, dilation. Nice Jill redrawing of uh, fistula repair. You've severed it. You've got two-layer primary closure, and then you put a pedicled flap between. Anastomotic leaks or 
fistula leaks are common. Uh, strictures are probably even more common because of that. Again, most of them respond to dilation. Tracheal bronchiomalacia is relatively common in these kids as well, much like reflux, reflux in all these kids for a lot of reasons. Occasionally they will recur, vast majority survive, um, and again, mortality is driven by the associated abnormalities. Isolated esophageal atresia, divert to help prevent them aspirating and getting pneumonia. Feed them until they're big enough. Occasionally you can deal with primary repair problems or strictures with dilation. And do remember these kids grow, right? You feed them, they will grow, and then you can potentially repair later. Reflux and kids with congenital issues are a big deal. Life-threatening apneic spells, A and Bs, right? Congenital displacement of the major portion of the stomach into the chest, aka a CDH. They often will have esophagitis, they'll develop a stricture or have an established stricture. They do often end up with pulmonary compromise or problems, and a lot of these kids just don't thrive. Repair and or replacement uh, for congenital abnormalities, caustic injuries, that's probably the big one. Atresia or long gap disorders in which it's probably not safe to replace or excuse me, to repair. And remember, you do have options just like in adults about where you put a conduit. Uh, duplication cysts, distal esophagus, often don't con communicate with the lumen. It's not uncommon for them to share a, share a portion of the muscular wall. Ideally, you do resect all of them um, because if you just open them up, they will recur. There are some folks that like to try and aspirate them with the goal of infecting them, getting them to scar down. It seems like folks get pretty sick with that. Congenital esophageal stenosis, fibromuscular is probably the one to remember of the three types just because it is amenable to dilation rather than resection. Kids in caustic burns, accidental ingestions with all those wonderfully bright colored cleaning products are bad. They're often five years old or younger. Adults, they're often intentional and poorly thought out suicide attempts. Severity in relation to the duration of exposure, sometimes the worst ones are actually the lye burns. Laryngeal edema and respiratory distress are relatively common. It seems like it kind of cycles back and forth about early EGDs and things. Obviously for kids that may not be possible. Inflammation, edema and necrosis the first couple days, they'll granulate over the next several weeks and then they'll form scars over weeks to months. Dysphagia is relatively common, that's going to be the symptom you're following. Long term, it's not uncommon for these to form recurrent strictures and you do attempt to dilate them. There is some increased risk of cancer, again it's a late side effect. They are burns, so you treat them like burns, right? fluid resuscitate, arguably antibiotics, particularly for full thickness injuries. Airway control, A, B, C's, right? E comes much later. Make sure you protect their airways. There's debate about, I think, early versus more later delayed esophagoscopy, but the truth is, is don't push it, right? You don't want to perforate them. Let symptoms be your guide. Deciding on whether or not to do imaging and or 
dilations. Surgery is really often the last resort for these folks. And if they are sick, remember divert and feed distally and live to fight another day. And the rules about a cervical esophagoscomies or spifficialis is true. More than half of them don't get put back together. Dysphagia strictures, things like that. Malignancy is relatively common in the adult world. It new onset dysphagia, particularly with weight loss in an adult, it mandates endoscopy. Peptic strictures just right at or above the GE junction, and those are by far the most common causes of strictures. You can have strictures other places from different things, including Barrett's uh, caustic stricture, Schatzky's ring, just distally, certainly post-operative or anastomotic, or so I've been told, congenital strictures, motility disorders, or vascular rings. You know, peptic stricture often looks normal until it doesn't, and then you often have reflux-related changes. Histologically, there's connective tissue, granulation tissue, and inflammation, and cervical webs are often found in the proximal esophagus. Schatzky's rings, distal esophagus, submucosal connective tissue with chronic inflammation, almost always associated with a hiatal hernia, but truth is, is, as you know, if we look hard enough, almost everybody has a small one. Interestingly, however, there may not be a real reflux-related cause. Again, strictures and new-onset dysphagia, um, particularly in the adults, you gotta think about malignancy. There are several ways to look at things, but I would argue in 2022, people do get barium swallows, but almost everybody gets an EGD first. Peptic strictures often respond to controlling the reflux and dilation. And if it looks normal, start asking why people have dysphagia, right? And there are certain things that will do it. And depending on the level of the dysphagia or what seems to be the indent, you can have an idea of what's going on. Bougies, bougies I think, work reasonably well. These are savories. Arguably uh, safe with rigid endoscopy and general anesthesia. Um, I love how it says rarely practice, but I personally end up with all the high-risk dilations when I do them under anesthesia. I generally get all the folks everybody else has perforated. It does fix symptoms, but it certainly can worsen reflux. You can do retrograde via G-tube, but remember it's got to be established and it's got to be big enough to get, get through. Um, certainly CRE balloons, the achalasia balloons for needed, and then these are the wire-guided ones. Surgery for a stricture, tight strictures, scarred, repeated dilations, risk of perforation, history of perforation. Surgery is often curative, but if you don't control the underlying factor, particularly reflux, you often end up with an anastomotic stricture, and you are right back where you are. Anti-reflux operations don't work very well if people have an established stricture. Remember, we often trade dysphagia for reflux control and vice versa and make sure you understand motility, okay? We'll talk a little bit more about motility later. The usual anastomotic rules apply when dealing with the esophagus, right? You don't want a lot of tension. You want to make sure that you've got adequate length. We always like intra-abdominal esophagus anastomosis, or excuse me, wraps and things like that if possible. 
Thals are kind of interesting. I think you have to know about them. I actually operated on a gal who had a thal patch a couple years ago, and it's the first time I've ever seen one in 15 years. Gastric hernias, ulcerations, super, Cameron's ulceration, superdiaphragmatic stomach. Occasionally, folks will fistulize. Collis, uh, which is a traditional lengthening procedure done through the chest, high incidence of persistent reflux, you're almost always there to do a fundoplication anyway. So you consider about things. I agree with the notion of a partial fundoplication. Collis-Nissen was a hard operation. If you need length, there are things you can do for length, but consider replacement. And yeah, pull-up certainly causes a fair amount of reflux. I don't know if anyone ever has actually done a Marandino, but it's historically interesting. Reasons why you'd replace the esophagus, you can't fix it, right? Long segment stricture, corrosive injury, perforated, it's injured, and of course some degree of fistulization and or sepsis. And a lot of times you remember you're going to divert these people, you know. Shape you're in dictates your shape coming out. Everybody knows perforation, right? Vast majority of the time it's going to be distal on the left in the chest. Dilation can, endoscopic dilation can carry up to a 17% perforation risk. Um, generally they're microperfs and can be managed conservatively. But remember that half the people that have a rupture have a normal esophagus. Strictures are common, diverticular are relatively common, achalasia is possible as well. And everybody hates a perforated carcinoma. Conservative therapy and or stents, right, if the, it's a microperf or contrast drains freely back into the esophagus without mediastinal or pleural contamination. A lot of these folks have underlying esophageal problems or will end up with a stricture and will require some sort of intervention. And you certainly can stent a perforated cancer, but remember you'll need control of the sepsis and drainage. Another nice cartoon of a primary repair. Probably the biggest thing here is make sure you open the muscle long, wide enough to make sure you see the mucosal defect. Primary repair, you can do two layers, you can do one. I personally do one. I also typically cover my repair sites with some sort of vascularized flap. Generally, I like intercostal muscle. All right, lastly, the preferred procedure for chronic reflux esophagitis with distal esophageal scarring and an intrathoracic location of the GE junction is one, a Hill gastroplasty, a Collis-Nissen gastroplasty, a gastric pull-up, typical Ivor Lewis style, colonic interposition or a jejunal interposition. All right, so callousness and we'll get you length and give you an anti-reflux wrap, right? You gotta be careful though, a lot of these folks have trouble swallowing just because of how tight it ends up being.